The Lymphoma Voices podcast brings you a series of conversations around topics of interest for people affected by lymphoma, the fifth most common cancer in the UK. Hello, I'm Anne and I work at Lymphoma Action and I'm delighted to be joined today by Nia. Hello, thank you so much for having me today. Nia, can you tell us a little bit about your background so that we can put this all in context? What were you doing before your lymphoma diagnosis? Uh, well, basically, I'm from America, so I moved here to the UK in 2019. But before I was diagnosed, I was basically just working, you know, carrying on life as normal as possible. But it was also during the pandemic. So what you consider normal, you know, obviously wasn't the same. And can, can you tell me a little bit about what you do? What do you do for a living? I, well, I work in animation, but yeah, I have about like seven years experience working in animation. Um, so luckily I was able to still be remote you know, throughout everything and basically doing cool animation stuff. Can you tell me when you thought something was amiss with your health and what alerted you to something being wrong? Uh, well, I turned 30 in December. So when I was diagnosed, I was, yeah, 28, turning 29. Um, and basically I knew something was wrong in my neck at first. It was sort of super sensitive on the left side of my neck. And it felt like, you know, like when you pull a muscle. And there was like a tiny little bump. So I was like, oh, okay, it's nothing. But that bump continued to grow and grow. And it was like the golf ball size at one point. Yeah. And then that sort of stayed for about a week or so. And it went down. But when it went down, it left little tiny swollen lymph nodes in my neck. And basically more and more kept popping up like every week or so. That It never went away. Can you tell me, after you'd obviously noticed this lump, what, what steps did you take? Did you contact a GP, go into um, emergency um, A&E, or, or what did you do, Nia? Yes, uh, well, basically, I waited a week or so after the lump first appeared, because I wasn't sure if it would go down, or, you know, if it was just some random infection, but when it wasn't going away, then I called my GP, and then we sort of set up a face-to-face -face talk, but because of the pandemic, there was, like, a delay in seeing face-to-face, -face, and then, you know, they, they helped set up the scans after that, but Again, because of COVID, there was like a delay in getting a visit to like the ear, nose and throat doctor to getting like an ultrasound and all that stuff. So you had to go into the hospital and you had tests. Obviously, it was COVID, so really different to the normal experience. So can you explain what it was like? Yeah, um, my initial GP put it at like the higher risk, like suspected cancer. Um, that sort of put me at like the top of the list. I got like a letter to first visit the ear, nose, and throat doctor. So mm -hmm. he sort of checked out the lymph nodes in my neck. And by that time, like the swelling had gone down. So there was still just like little lumps in my neck. Um, and then more and more sort of appeared around my collarbone and around my jawline. But mm -hmm. when I saw the ear, nose, and throat doctor, he suspected those are just normal lymph nodes, like if you were sick, but yeah. um, or had the flu or a cold or whatever. But I had none of those symptoms. So then because of that, he scheduled a ultrasound. And then when I went to the ultrasound, they even thought like they didn't look like what lymphoma nodes would look like. It just looked like, oh, I was reacting to cold or flu. Um, but then they set another one like like a, a month or so after that just to check in. That's when they took a biopsy at the second ultrasound. And then that determined that it was lymphoma. And can you tell me about your diagnosis? Was that given to you in a face-to-face -face appointment or over the telephone and what was the diagnosis that you received? It was sort of like weird how I was given the diagnosis because um, like I said it took 
about like three weeks initially to get a call from like the doctor to come in. He said like from the biopsy, they weren't able to tell. So then he said it was going to the hematology department, but because it's going to the hematology department, it was suspected lymphoma. And then he said he'll call me when they get those test backs, which was another week. And so that official diagnosis was over the phone. And then I was in work at the time in like a video call. So I like turned that off and it was just sort of like bizarre. Like on one end, there's like this other conversation going on at work. You know, I muted myself, turned the video off. But then on this, this side, I'm just giving this like sort of, you know, life-changing uh, diagnosis. So that was pretty odd, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. And then I was diagnosed with a uh, Hodgkin lymphoma. And had you heard of lymphoma before all this happened? Is it, is it something that was familiar to you? No, I honestly, I don't think I even heard of um, lymphoma. Like I, I heard of blood cancers, mostly leukemia, but mm. never something like lymphoma. So yeah, that was like the first I started to hear about it. And how did you react to the news? What were your initial feelings? I guess this is how I deal with like stress. Sometimes I just sort of laughed because I couldn't believe I was like, well, you know, this is, I guess this is the reality now, but it was also some sort of relief as well to sort of know what was wrong. Uh, because like, once you know something's wrong, then there's always going to be a game plan, you know, to get better. And before all that, it was like six months. It took, you know, from my first symptom to getting the diagnosis that, I was sort of wondering, I was like, oh gosh, what's wrong? You know, it could be X, Y, Z, you know, am I going to be, still be here at the end of the year? It's just those sort of questions that you, you know, constantly thinking about as the symptoms get worse and more lymph nodes come up. So it was, yeah, it was like oddly relieving to hear that news and know that, you know, there's going to be a game plan moving forward for treatment. And how did your family and friends react? Because presumably most of your family was still in the USA did that make you feel very cut off? Because it, it must be very difficult when they're so far away. Yeah, it was basically just like my husband and I, um, for because, you know, we were still in like the height of the pandemic. So we couldn't see his family here in the, um, the UK. And, you know, I've just, I haven't seen my family for a few years. Yeah, it was just a bit odd because I also didn't tell them at first I was experiencing these symptoms because I didn't want to worry them. And, you know, because I was like, yeah, it could be nothing. So like during that time of me sort of stressing about like, oh, what could this be? I didn't really let them know. But then as soon as like the, I had an ultrasound and like a scheduled biopsy, that's when I was like, look, there, there might be something wrong. I'm not sure yet. But yeah, it was a bit difficult delivering that via, you know, like video chat. And how did your, your husband react? It was pretty much the same as me, just sort of accepting like, okay, this is the reality now this is what's wrong but this is also what we can do now moving forward and there's like you know set steps to take that you know and like treatment from what the doctors told me before that you know it's like I don't know the exact word but the survival rate is pretty high so I was like okay it was like a pretty optimistic diagnosis despite being diagnosed with something like lymphoma so we were a bit optimistic but yeah we were just ready to like let's get rid of this let's go forward and you mentioned about treatment. So can you tell me what the plan of action, as it was described to you, um, what they were going to do as you go forward? Yeah, so once I was diagnosed, I had to get a, a PET CT scan. So then that determined what stage of lymphoma I had. And luckily it was just stage one. So it was like in my neck, on my left side of my neck, which I was relieved because based off how quickly the lymph nodes kept spreading, I wasn't sure if it was, you know, worse, but... 
uh, because it was stage one, I had um, one cycle of ABVD chemo treatment, which in one cycle means it was just sort of like four rounds of chemotherapy. And it was given once every two weeks after the chemotherapy. I also had two weeks of radiotherapy treatment on my neck just because it was like localized that they, they thought like the best, you know, treatment for that was just to just obliterate it, you know, just to make sure it doesn't come back in that area. So yeah, it was, it was one cycle of ABVD chemo treatment and then two weeks of radiotherapy. And did you have any side effects as a result of the treatment? Yes. Like at first the, uh, the chemotherapy didn't really like affect me as much, but you know, like as it went on, it was like the symptoms got worse. I had mostly just nausea. And then I got like super, super tired, but that's it. And then obviously like the hair started to come out and stuff, but compared to like what I've heard previously of, you know, some chemo horror stories. Yeah. It was just, I had a bit nausea, fatigue and yeah. And I still managed because before I was diagnosed, I was like super active. So I always like exercised and like ran and stuff. So I was still able to keep active during treatment, like on the bicycle, going for walks and stuff. And do you think that helped you with your physical um, well-being as well as your mental well-being, being able to keep exercising? Yes. Yeah, 100%. I wanted to make sure that like my body was still able to, you know, be healthy throughout this process. And like I wanted my heart to be strong and my lungs because obviously when treatment ended, I wanted to, you know, carry on and exercising. So, yeah, I just wanted to make sure like to keep my body like as strong as possible during the treatment. During that time, um, how did you manage? Did you have any strategies for coping? Basically, um, I kept working throughout my entire treatment because I was still working remotely. um, And I was just really thankful to have that sort of occupy my mind and, you know, to keep me busy throughout the day. But then afterwards, I started um, basically something I always wanted to do was to learn Japanese. So I started teaching myself Japanese and, you know, through Duolingo at first, but then, you know, sort of registering for classes online. Um, and yeah, and that I'm still learning now. But yeah, that was like the biggest thing I learned was um, Japanese. Nia, you've spoken about your hair loss. And for a lot of people, this side effect is really upsetting. What was your experience of hair loss? How did you feel about it? Well, before I was diagnosed with um, lymphoma, you know, like at the start of the pandemic, everyone was like doing weird stuff to their hair, shaving their heads. So I had shaved my head before (laughs) and I loved the look um, because I've always wanted to shave it. Uh, So that sort of like preempted me when I was eventually diagnosed about like, okay, this is what I'll look like. But that's completely different to actually physically like losing your hair because by the time I was diagnosed, my hair had grown back sort of to a, a pixie cut. It's just nobody wants to, you know, when they're taking a shower and they touch their hair to see sort of clumps continue to fall out. So that was a bit jarring. And it's a part of the treatment. So like nothing is wrong with you. Like the hair falls out because your body is fighting, you know, to get you back up to speed and to get rid of get rid of this lymphoma. So it's just, again, mentally just knowing that the hair will come back. <laughs> it might be a while, but it'll start to grow. Mm. And did you lose your eyebrows or did they stay? No, my eyebrows and my eyelashes stayed. Um, And like my body hair stayed as well. I've noticed that if you didn't really touch the other hair, it would stay, if that makes sense. But it's like the more like you would just fiddle with like your actual hair on top of your head, that's when it came off, at least for me. Can I ask you, after your treatment, did you have any tests or scans to confirm how effective it had been? 
yes, after my treatment, I had another CT uh, PET scan uh, to determine if like the cancer was gone and that was confirmed. But even before that, it like the swelling in my neck immediately went down like after my first chemo treatment. So that was like a great sign. Um, and then as the weeks went on, it went smaller and smaller until it sort of like disappeared. And then, yeah, the PET scan at the end of the treatment sort of confirmed that. And then about like a month or so after that, that is when I had my radiotherapy scheduled. Now, you talked about having radiotherapy. Can you just explain a little bit more about it? Yes. Yeah, this one, it took a bit more prep for before I had the radiotherapy. And it was a lot more complicated than I initially thought, because like before you even start your radiotherapy treatment, you have to get a sort of like a weird mask sort of fitted for your face. And then they sort of set up where you're going to get the treatment. So they, I have like a little permanent tattoo on my chest that they marked that they would line up the lights in the radiotherapy. And yeah, you basically would get the mask fitted for wherever you're going to get your treatment because it sort of localizes the treatment to wherever in your body uh, is, you know, has the cancer. So that was just like, whoa, it took a lot of prep leading up to it. And then, yeah, I had two weeks of radiotherapy. Um, it was like five days and then a break on the weekend. And I would go in, lay on the table, put the mask on, and it would just be like, you know, five, 10 minutes every time. Mm-hmm. But the side effects for that were a bit all over the place. And because it's like radiation, it got worse as it went on. And uh, yeah, I had no idea what my symptoms would be. The first symptoms I had, it was sort of a rash on the neck. My neck felt hot and it was like super itchy, but then that went away. And then I had a bunch of ulcers on my mouth that just sort of appeared overnight and I've never had before. So it was just like a huge explosion on the left side of my mouth. And how did you cope with those ulcers? Yes, uh, basically, yeah, the nurses and the doctors were super helpful because as soon as I had like any symptom, I would give them a ring to be like, hey, you know, could you help out with the rash or the ulcers? Yeah, and they gave me lotions for the rash and then a a really good um, sort of like numbing mouthwash for the ulcers and stuff, which helped a lot. You talked about having the mask made and we hear from some people that they find that quite claustrophobic. Did you manage okay with that? At first, it was like super claustrophobic in a way, just because like, it's like all these new sensations and, you know, sights and smells. And you're like, what are they doing? How long is this going to take? You know, and you kind of feel like Hannibal Lecter, you know, when you have like the mask and stuff and you're like, oh my gosh, you're like on this table. But as it goes on, you sort of get used to it and you sort of know like, okay, this is going to take five, 10 minutes maximum. It'll be over. I'll be fine. I can breathe. I can see everything. Um, yeah, but it's just sort of getting used to like having this thing on your face and mm-hmm. them just being poking you around and being like, all right, we're almost done. You know, I hear several things about the masks, but I remember one chap telling me that um, after radiotherapy, he actually hugged it and he said, because it's looked after me. It is a strange one. I can totally understand. And it's also that the radiation is going to exactly the right place. And so after the radiotherapy, were there any further tests after that or, or were they not required? Yes, um, I had not a full body CT scan, but just sort of a scan of my neck. And that was probably about like three, four months after radiotherapy completed. And how did you feel when you were told that, you know, it had been so successful, the treatment? What was your reaction to it? Yeah, I was like super thrilled that it was gone and sort of relieved that the treatment was working because like, yeah, at that point, that's when like the chemo symptoms were at its worst. So if it's like, I was like, oh, I'm just super relieved. I don't have to get 
any more of that, you know, chemo treatment and that it's gone and that life, you know, can start to get back to normal. But yeah, it was also sort of like anticlimactic too, to be like, this is it, you know, it's all finished. And because that was my life for like three, four months, it was just sort of like, oh boy, what do I do now, you know? Yeah, because it's, you know, a life-changing moment that you'd gone through and, and, and it takes a while to sink in. Yeah, you want to do like a whole, you know, a singing and dancing number to be like, yeah, it's done. But then once that's, you know, when you're done doing that, there's like no applause or anything. You're sort of like, all right, let's go back to work. You know, like, yeah, just bizarre sort of experience my own journey, but seeing like everyone carry on outside of like the treatment. Nia, can you tell us about life since treatment? Has, has it changed at all for you? Yes, definitely. I would say life is like 100% better since treatment. Um, you know, still like we're still in COVID. So once my treatment was finished, the restrictions were sort of lifting a bit. So we were able to schedule like a bunch of holidays. Um, we went to Edinburgh for my birthday and stuff. And um, I was able to visit my husband's parents for Christmas, which was amazing. And now this year, hopefully uh, we could go on a few trips and stuff. But yeah, basically life is as close to normal as it was before, which is great. You mentioned that you faced dark thoughts. You, you you said that you weren't even sure you'd be there at Christmas. As a young person, how did you cope with those feelings? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. Um, obviously, yeah, I was twenty eight, going on twenty nine. So yeah, at that time, I was like, oh, I can't believe, you know, like as you hear, I can't believe this is like happening to me, and like I have to think about this. One thing that I sort of tried to do to stop myself from thinking those you know horrible thoughts before I was diagnosed was try to live more in the present um, and that sort of helped me appreciate the everyday you know the, the stuff that you might find boring or like oh I can't believe this is happening another day but yeah just sort of learning to appreciate you know the stuff around me rather than worrying about what had happened in the past or what could be in the future um and like one of my favorite quotes that I found is, I will never have this version of me again. Let me slow down and be with her. So that even alone helped me sort of distract myself as well from like the impending doom of like, oh, like what if I'm not here <laughs> at the end of the year? Uh, but yeah, just sort of being able to think about like, what's the best thing that could happen now, not the worst thing. Yeah, I mean, that's an incredibly powerful quote. Thank you for sharing that. And what would you say to other people just receiving a diagnosis? Um, I would say that um, although it's obviously not what you want to hear, like hearing that you have lymphoma, that you have a cancer is just like heartbreaking because you never think it's, you know, that it's going to be you. You always hear these stories, but you're kind of like think that you'll be able to dodge it and stuff. So it's just sort of it sucks, but it will get better because no matter what sort of lymphoma you have, there's a set treatment sort of in store and you will have um, an amazing support network as well, not only from your family, but also with lymphoma action. So you'll never be alone. Um, and also don't be afraid to ask for help as well, because even though you're the one who is going through this journey, there will always be others um, that got your back. Were there any other sources of support that you found valuable? So um, when I started obviously Googling the symptoms and stuff, all this information comes up and some of it is false information. Some of it leads you down to like the wrong path. So I, I immediately went to like the more verified sources uh, 
just to get like the the facts straight about like okay this is like the the right information that i should be reading but also basically just going to the doctor like that's like the biggest support is just getting you know because they're able to see what your symptoms are and they're able to help diagnose it if that makes sense so it's like there's like the whole community online with like you know cancer research uk and lymphoma action but yeah just getting the support from the professionals who are able to give you the right answers rather than you going down like a whole rabbit hole of like oh my gosh could it be xyz or is it something completely different you mentioned about lymphoma action did you use lymphoma action at all Nia after you've been diagnosed yes uh I basically lymphoma action was like the first sort of website when you know when you search what's lymphoma that's like the first website that came up so it helped me sort of learn more about what lymphoma is and also the Facebook group once I you know I found out that I had lymphoma I joined the Facebook group and I told everyone you know this is my story this is my situation and it was just sort of like immediately sort of flooded with great support and Mm -hmm. you know it'll be okay we're here if you need anything don't hesitate to reach out and all the other stuff but it was also sort of relieving in a way to see others who are going through the same thing and it's not only those who have been diagnosed but also family members um, of those who have been affected Um, yeah it's just a great support network so yeah I appreciate it a lot. You've also um, obviously you've come from the USA and and you arrived in the UK and then it, it wasn't that long after that that you got symptoms and then your diagnosis how did you feel about that did you think oh I wish I was back home or were you glad to be there with in the UK with your husband what were your thoughts on that yes yeah that's a good question yeah I moved here to the UK in April uh, 2019 so it's almost been three years Um, so I feel thankful to have been able to experience you know like the UK before even the pandemic started and all that stuff I am 100% thankful to have been in the UK when I was officially diagnosed and when I first started having symptoms, Um, just because as you guys are aware, like the healthcare in the USA is completely different, you know, to the NHS here in the UK. And I'm just really thankful for like the support and the medical care I was able to, to get here without having to worry about, will my insurance cover this? Here, it was just you know, you've been diagnosed with lymphoma. This is the plan of action. Let's go. Let's get it done. And I have no idea what would have happened if I was in America. So <laughs> I'm really glad that I'm still here. And I was here and I got the proper support I needed. Nia, I understand you chronicled your experiences. Can you tell me a bit more about that? Of course. Uh, yeah, basically, when I was diagnosed with lymphoma, I wanted to document it, but I don't want it to do sort of like the old sort of dear diary type of approach. And I wanted to just sort of do something different. And I'm a huge fan of TikTok. And I thought that would be an amazing medium to start doing video blocks of my cancer journey. So I, you know, it's just like an easy way to be like on the way to my first chemo treatment or just me sitting and waiting for my doctor's appointment. Um, But also I use TikTok as a way to sort of raise awareness for lymphoma. So there's some TikToks that I've posted just sort of detailing what my symptoms were, showing pictures and sort of breaking that down for other people. Um, And I've gotten like pretty great responses. It's like obviously not super viral, but I think like the most uh, views is like over 50,000 so far. But those are just on the ones that are like, this is what lymphoma is. This is what my symptoms were. People are probably searching like swollen lymph nodes, lymphoma, and then my videos are coming up. Yeah, it's been great knowing that it's helpful to some, 
mm-hmm. being able to sort of not inspired, that's not the right word, but just motivating other people to get those lumps checked out. And are you continuing with your TikTok now that treatment is finished? Yes, I haven't posted uh, videos in a while. That's just because I'm not sure what else to sort of post at the moment. But I am thinking to just continue on uh, with the TikToks being able to sort of document, you know, this is what my life is almost a year after uh, treatment. But yeah, I'm hoping to get some more videos out there soon. So what one thing has helped you with your lymphoma and living with lymphoma, do you think? I would say 100% of the support from my family, especially my husband, because he, it was just us two having dealt with, you know, this like whole diagnosis. And because we were so isolated due to the pandemic. Uh, yeah, if I'm just like really thankful that I wasn't alone throughout this process. Yeah. And I had my husband with me and my two, my two cats as well. They're equally. Mia, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what brings you joy? That's an amazing question. I would say definitely um, the simple things in life. Um, after having dealt with lymphoma, uh, being able to wake up with, you know, when you have a cat sitting on your chest and see the sunrise every morning and just like being able to do things that I once took for granted, if that makes sense, because mm-hmm. going through this whole journey um, with lymphoma, has, it's given me a new perspective on life just to sort of appreciate the body that I'm in now, appreciate living in the present rather mm-hmm. than sort of worrying about the past, present, or future, because you don't know if that's going to be there the next day. So yeah, def- what brings me joy is just being able to live in the present. And again, being with my my husband, my two cats, being healthy, being able to work, and hopefully one day being able to travel again, like you know we used to, and all that good stuff. And do you hope to visit your family in the USA? Is that on the horizon? Yes, actually, I'm hoping this year to go because I'm going to be a bridesmaid in my best friend's wedding. But my family is also coming out here in August. So I'm very excited to see them. And yeah, it would have been three years since I've seen them in person. Nia, it's been an absolute joy. Thank you very much for sharing your experience. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to share my story and also for Lymphoma Action continuing you know, to be a, su- a supportive environment. I appreciate it. For more information about lymphoma and the support we can offer to people affected by the condition, please visit the Lymphoma Action website at www.lymphoma-action.org.uk. Lymphoma Action. Inform. Support. Connect.